Part one, chapter one of Martin Schuler by Romer Wilson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Martin Schuler by Romer Wilson. Part one, Heidelberg. Chapter one there were in old times before europe was divided amongst the children of asia nine peahens these peahens were in reality nine spellbound damsels of surpassing loveliness eight of them were fit brides for the princes of the earth but the ninth was far lovelier than any queen or princess man has ever imagined the ninth peahen who was a queen in her own right fell in love nevertheless with an ordinary prince the youngest son of a king antiquaries suspect that this prince was joseph son of jacob and therefore she came every evening to perch in the branches of a golden apple tree that grew in the garden of his father's palace this tree blossomed bore fruit and yielded it all in the same night the peahen by perseverance decoyed the young prince into the garden and after revealing to him her true nature disappeared after many adventures and in spite of the powers of evil the prince recovered her and they were married they had several children who became kings and princes martin schuler read this tale carefully in a more elaborate edition than the above namely in the pleasant translation made from the serbian by madame elodie Mejatovich. he was searching for some tale upon which to erect an opera and there lay around him english french and german books of fairy lore ancient legends and ghost stories martin schuler was very ambitious and very young at twenty years old he was a hot wagnerite and hoped if possible to create a countertype of tristan and isolde and one or two goethe-demerungs his heart was full of the passionate fire that results in magnificent if somewhat commonplace noise his mind yearned to stretch itself in wide orchestration the nerves of his ears strained to balance themselves upon flute arias played perfectly even a little too perfectly in tune his musical temperature was a little too sharp whereas that of most people is decidedly too flat as we say he was mad for perfection he was without experience he was swamped by the master writer of europe he was insane for precocity he determined that at twenty-three he would shake the world in his immense hurry he bought several books of fable and mythology because operatic music seems a misfit on the back of truth having decided at all costs to be original he read three or four books on slav legendary but the only one he could comprehend or fasten down to any teutonic idea of an opera was that which contained the story of the nine peahens being in a hurry as soon as he discovered anything at all suitable he stopped searching and began to dream with the book in his hand martin schuler lived in heidelberg with his parents who gave him an attic with a piano in it where he could be both noisy and untidy the late afternoon sun came in from the west and filled the attic with brown light it had a dormer window and a sloping ceiling and what upright wall there was was papered with a shiny yellow wallpaper of an acanthus leaf design that at the time of the accession of the third frederick had been new and mustard coloured it was now mellowed with years and mildewed with damp and ought long ago to have suffered the fate of its larger portion that lay obscured beneath a newer design in the sitting-room downstairs 
this wallpaper shone in the sunshine like a halo about martin and his piano and his table and chairs and books and ink-pots and music-paper he sat with his feet on the table and in the middle of his dreams began to think of his sister who wore a blouse cut square at the neck and played the piano beautifully he had his theories of inspiration like everybody else and one of these was that music inspired music so he used to get his sister to play to him as a matter of fact the music he heard suggested similar music and in many of his earlier efforts chopin and the others would have recognized variations of airs that had been discarded by them for better variations youth is a period of disappointment young men find when they first begin serious work that there is nothing new under the sun and that it is impossible not to create platitudes soon martin began to want his sister to play for him and remained in this condition for about ten minutes before he got up enough energy to rouse himself to call her presently throwing the book aside he got out of his comfortable position and went to the door calling in a guttural voice berta berta come up here berta who was mending socks in the sitting-room called out i am coming and after carefully rolling up the grey pair which she was darning in such a way that the darn did not show she went upstairs singing the wife indeed to her goodman like her brother she had smooth fawn skin soft dark eyes with scarcely any iris abundant rather coarse dark hair a marked chin with a cleft in it a firm teutonic mouth and a round head rather forced forward above the brows martin schuler's eyes were a little deeper set his mouth was more mobile besides he had a shock of unkempt hair whereas his sister's tresses were glossy with much brushing and lay round her head in smooth shining plates come play said martin as his sister's plates appeared above the stairs then her body emerged in its cotton house frock and he went to the piano and kicked two chairs into position berta never refused to play she sat down immediately and set off into a cascade of chopin martin sat by her like a music-master and said piano allegro forte and occasionally tapped high c to emphasize his murmurs but she took no notice of him in the middle of a schumann intermezzo he put his big hands on hers and stopped her sentimentally sweetest sister he said i wish i could play as you do berta smiled with delight her brother was the apple of her eye martiche she said you would if you had not been such a bad little boy never he said he did play very badly berta had invented the fable that the fairies had stiffened his finger tendons because he was once so naughty as to disbelieve in them she liked teasing him about it she liked being able in one thing to excel him to excel everybody in the house when she played the piano everybody in the house looked up to her and she liked it she played so well that all her friends thought she was exceedingly virtuous and clever and martin played so badly that all her friends thought him good for nothing and stupid her father shared this idea and was forever goading at him and accusing him of cow-like dullness but he indulged him to a certain extent because the military authorities let him off service and he was considered delicate he was not in the least delicate but like many young people he had shown slight symptoms of heart weakness at the age of examination martin kept his hands over berta's for a moment or two and went on talking i have had to-day a glorious inspiration he said 
he let the announcement sink in and seeing a sympathetic look of expectancy in her eyes leaned over the back of his chair and twitched madame mayatovitch's book off the table into his hands he read her the story of the peahens that won't make an opera she said he was disappointed he thought her slightly cruel as a small boy thinks his brother is cruel when the brother assures him that the rock he is standing on is not a mountain what shall i do he said though neither of them knew it her opinion was his criterion of judgment in those days his critical faculty did not extend to his own productions he depended upon his untrained instinct and it depended upon the opinion of those around him and because berta was obviously sane chiefly upon berta an instinct before it is sure clings to sanity thus young instincts often regulate themselves by the works of acknowledged masters what shall i do repeated martin sadly you must mix it with something more solid she said allegorical i think or human you will never rise to deep passions on that she too admired wagner martin put up a defence you are right berta he said but i could make something very beautiful and lovely out of it you will never get the desired deep passion out of fairy stories i could make the prince have a human sweetheart also he opened the book and made the pages run like a little cascade between his finger and thumb or could i not imagine passion into the princess it would be very difficult said berta an opera ought to touch some vital string of the heart to vibrate in us very deeply now i must go and mend your all too many socks she rose but martin took hold of the skirt of her cotton dress stay he said play again you have caused a downfall in me it is only right you should help me to rise play to me while i look out of the window at the evening which will presently creep over heidelberg perhaps i shall recover myself and have a heavenly thought berta teased him your socks have real holes that must be filled in your dreams are castles in the air no one will live in them so they need never be built i have heard mamma talk like that he said it is very silly no one can estimate the value of a beautiful opera socks cost at most three or four marks don't begin to be philosophical said berta i know all about that i can tell you everything you are about to say including even starvation is a beautiful and noble death if it produce a wonderful work of art nevertheless she was obedient by nature and before any more was said upon this controversial subject she began to play she began with a tinkling melody of old rubinstein's which is certainly worth less than a pair of socks then she played a comic song which martin who had begun to think thought was worth writing because of the disproportionate riches it brought to the composer for a minute he was guilty of wishing to write a comic song but he purged himself quickly of the desire she played a waltz not a dance waltz a concert waltz and martin felt an appropriate and lively pleasure creep up to his head where it turned into the obvious question was such a production worth all the strain and labour and bad temper that had brought it to perfection he began to be moral and to balance relative worth until she annihilated his feelings with a passionate grand opera and left him cold and chill upon an early work of claude debussy he got up and shouted not that not that inventor of seductive titles she played on however as she chose until she fell into the most stirring music meanwhile martin had gone to the window and looked out over the river the house of the schulers was up one of the steep streets of the town below the castle 
it was high enough up to see a long way from the attic window martin stood in the window quite alone because the sloping roof and the walls made it into a little box where one could isolate oneself even if the room were full of people he gazed out over the river towards the northwest where the sun had already sunk from view the window faced west but the side panes looked north and south thus he could see if he chose the overmantling darkness of the castle the whole town the new western part of the town the broad river gliding away to the west to fold itself into the rhine the broad rhine plain beyond stretching west and northwest and close in again due north just across the river the vine hills with the ruined tower and the philosopher's way creeping down to the pretty suburb of neunheim where the richer people built their houses the elector's bridge was just out of sight beyond the roof directly below him the old town lay in a tumbled heap it seemed that if one house fell or moved the whole lot would rattle like bricks into the river splash what a splash if the whole town fell into the river the whole town has fallen into the river the whole town has fallen into the river somebody seemed to sing in clear tragic notes martin's gaze was fixed on the far horizon and his imagination seemed to see as if at the end of a very long telescope that reduced objects to microscopic dimensions a little highly coloured facsimile of the old town falling into a little river what a downfall how the people cried like a thousand souls in a sinking ship god have mercy upon us the houses toppled forward and crashed into the river crushing in the bridges the bridges have been crushed in the town has fallen into the river the people wailed the noise of their lamentations rose from the falling ruins like flames from a fire how shall we cross the bridges are crushed in our dear ones are drowned let us climb up to the castle that too falls our dear ones are drowned in the river lord have mercy upon us it is the end of the world down on your knees it is the end of the world say the litany what an end for an opera with the deep sonorous music of the litany martin's thoughts culminated in this thought his spirits had revived he cried out joyously to his sister little sister play no more and pushing her off the chair played out the music he had heard the whole town has fallen into the river he thumped and strummed a good deal more besides including a motif for the litany that is better said his sister but you must begin i shall begin with the peahens he said they shall entrance the princes of the town all the people will go to the bad because of them and then god with one kick of his foot will send all the town rolling into the river martin smiled and almost licked his lips at the magnificent thought of the deity propelling heidelberg into the neckar with his foot bertha was practical who will write the poem brother she said martin was a little irritated to discover that she never imagined he would do the whole thing alone but he answered werner and i together i'll sketch it out and run to werner at once he will see eye to eye with me how ill poor werner looks said bertha i'd like to buy him a good dinner every day till he gets fat he's diseased he'll never get fat besides he never has an appetite i expect he's trained himself to starve because it is more convenient said bertha getting up from her chair poor werner mother and i were grieved last time you brought him to supper 
we pressed sausage and chicken and soup and cakes upon him and father urged him to take beer but he only drank a little wine and sat there amusing us all with his clever remarks and eating nothing like an unbidden guest mother likes werner and so do i he looks old doesn't he i should say he was thirty-six or seven i wonder why he doesn't make any money with his clever brains he's a little bit queer said martin he needs a publisher you know he lets his works lie in a drawer and forgets them directly they are finished and if i or any of his friends urge him to publish something he says yes perhaps and puts it back into the drawer and forgets it again i don't believe he's so old as you think he can't be more than twenty-seven because he passed his examinations when i was thirteen or so he looks so clever said berta again he reminds me a little bit of dante oh come said martin lighting his lamp he is not at all like dante he hasn't dante's nobility of feature nor his nose that's because he is so thin don't compare moles to mice because they are small and have fur i must go said berta i hope werner will agree to do it there's no doubt said martin who nevertheless had a slight qualm of doubt he's very obliging berta went to the door good luck she said as she opened it and went out she stuck her head in again to ask if he were going that night immediately said martin i shan't sleep unless i do berta went down the dark stairs to the kitchen where her mother was making herb soup for supper and set about to prepare a ragout of mutton and chicken's legs she cut up a terrible lot of onions until the tears ran out of her eyes and the pungent odour of bruised onions rose through the house to the attic where martin sat the schulers owned the top part of the house the two lower floors belonged to somebody else as berta cut onions she thought of martin and his opera and his aspirations it seemed very unlikely a wagner would emanate from their house but what of that musicians had to be born and brought up somewhere she removed the coarse skin from another onion it seemed to her that an immense time must elapse before martin completed an opera and that a gulf must be crossed before he became famous he must surely lose his boyhood change the aspect of his countenance vanish and return a stranger related to nobody before he could take a place among that group of creatures called rich and famous men she bent to the onion basket for yet another onion and something pricked her breast she knew what it was it was the corner of her lover's last letter her lover's name was hermann markheim and he was surely the most wonderful young man on earth he had a small government position and berta had secured his affections by giving him sweet glances and thank yous every time he turned over her music for her at soirees she moved herself inside her clothes until the letter was comfortable without putting down the onion or the onion knife but her thoughts turned to marriage and dowries bed linen and the slow progress of time all berta's family were very fond of her and valued her she accepted their valuation though it was too low nobody but markheim ever saw her true worth and he forgot that two years after their marriage but she was happy and uninjured because she always saw herself as others saw her and not as she was End of part one, chapter one. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine.